Welcome to the Movement Church Podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. We want to be a place where you can own your faith and take next steps in your relationship with Jesus. Maybe your next step is to seek out a community and join a movement group. Maybe it's supporting movement financially for the first time or using your gifts on a volunteer team. Whatever God is calling you to do, our prayer is that you will step out in faith and let Him lead you. For more information about your next step, please visit movementcolumbus.com. Just to let you know, uh, the last couple summers, our family vacations have been uh, kind of road trips. All of my kids don't like it, but I don't ask them for their opinion. We just make them get in the minivan and, and go. But uh, a couple years ago, uh, we did kind of a, a tour of, of most of the United States on my sabbatical. Uh, many of you know that. And then last summer, uh, we, we decided there were so many things we missed out west that we kind of uh, went out there again, and, and this summer we're, we're doing the East Coast. So uh, that is the, the plan uh, for us and uh, kind of why these, these questions are, are on my mind. Uh, I'm curious what, what some of your, your answers were, though. Uh, what, what did you guys, uh, what, did, what did we say we would pack? Feel free to shout it out where you're at. What, snacks, okay. I don't know what it says about me. I didn't think that was a huge deal, and that's what everyone is yelling, both services. There were like five people. They're like, snacks! And one guy came to me and was like, hey, that was my pregnant wife that yelled that. And I was like, I was like all right, I'm not, I'm not touching that one. So you, yeah, you just, whatever you want to do there. I'm not, I'm not telling the pregnant woman she can't have snacks. So uh, who, who did you say you would invite? What was your answer there? Anybody? Family, okay. Maybe because you want to, maybe because you have to, right? But, but either way, your family gets invited. They're the only people that'll put up with you. What was, uh, what was some advice that, that you would give? No kids. No kids. <laughs> Person that yelled that has five kids. We'll talk about that later, okay? We'll talk about that later, right? Uh, yeah, no, man, some of my, my answers are, are similar. Uh, what I would pack, I've found that no matter what I, I try, it feels like we always run out of water. And so I, I've started to just keep gallon jugs in the back of the car when the kids are like, dad, we're out of water. And somehow it's my problem. So I've always, always got water there. Uh, who I would invite, I would invite my kids, like we said. I don't know if that's good or bad, but no one else will go on vacation with me. Uh, what advice would I give? It's to plan for those, uh, those long trips. We have a DVD player in our van, and I don't think anyone else even watches DVDs anymore, but we're the family that's like buying DVDs at Goodwill still just to pacify my kids on the road trip. So we're always, always thinking about that and, and thinking about, you know, exactly what that would look like. So, uh, hey, I'm, I'm not a travel agent. Uh, the goal of this morning is not to get you thinking uh, about trips or, or road trips or, or where you need to go. I wanted to get us thinking about this concept of, of travel and, and specifically longer travel, right? Uh, we, we often talk about the, the Christian life, and I think there's some interesting parallels with the Christian life, uh, because we often use this phrase, walking with Jesus. And walking with Jesus has a beginning moment, a moment where we surrender and say, Jesus, you have my life. But walking with Jesus is not just something that, that happens for an hour or a week or a month, walking with Jesus is a lifelong goal and a lifelong goal that we should want to, to see and, and really we, we should want to thrive in and we want to see that go well. So I think if I were to ask you, hey, who wants to be walking with Jesus a year from now? I hope that someone would say, yeah, that's me. If I would say, do you want to be walking with Jesus 10 years from now? I'm hoping that would be your goal. And even if I would say, hey, have you, have you ever known someone that walked with Jesus for 50 years? I think most of us would say, yeah, I have. And, and that's, a, that's a goal of mine. And so when you go on a long trip, 
When you go on a road trip, when you go on a, a vacation, there's some thought that goes into that. That's what those questions we're getting at. Every summer when we go on a trip, I do some research. I have a friend that makes the greatest spreadsheets in the world, and so sometimes I borrow his spreadsheets just so I look intelligent to my family. Uh, I always buy things and look at certain things, and I always take the family minivan in for a, a checkup, right? Because if that thing were to break down, it would get pretty ugly pretty fast, and, and walking with Jesus, living the Christian life is, is kind of the same thing. We've got to put thought into that and we've got to have a mindset that we want to survive and even thrive for the long haul. And so this morning, I want us to just have a conversation. What does it look like to walk with Jesus, not just in moments, not just for weeks, not just for years, but for the long haul? What does it look like for us to walk with him and successfully live the Christian life, even though there will be bumps and bruises and blisters and breakdowns? I wasn't planning on saying all those B words, but they just came out, right? There's going to be things along the way on that vacation, on that trip that are going to discourage us and, and pull us back. And yet, what does it look like for us to have a walk that lasts for the years. Well, to, to do that, we want to go to a, a passage in 1 John this morning. And so I want to invite you to, uh, to open your Bible if you've uh, brought one. If not, there's one on the seat under you, around you there somewhere. We're going to be in 1 John chapter 2, verses 18 to 27. 1 John 2, verses 18 to 27 on page 744. And we have been in a series in the books of 1 John and 2 John and 3 John. And John wrote these books to a group of people that were under attack. They, they had known Jesus, they'd known the gospel, and yet as they lived life, as, as things went on, there, there started to just be things that weren't great. They felt like uh, people were, were being led astray. There were people that were lying to them, and all these different things were happening. And John wrote this book to say, stand in the gospel, stand firm in the truth of who you are in Jesus, and keep walking. And so we want to look at that today as we look at this passage. I'll read 1 John 2. 18 to 27, you can follow along, page 744, it says this, dear children, the last hour is here. You have heard that the Antichrist is coming, and already many such Antichrists have appeared. From this, we know that the last hour has come. These people left our churches, but they never really belonged with us. Otherwise, they would have stayed with us. When they left, it proved that they did not belong with us. But you are not like that, for the Holy One has given you his spirit, and all of you know the truth. So I am writing to you, not because you don't know the truth, but because you know the difference between truth and lies. And who is a liar? Anyone who says that Jesus is not the Christ. Anyone who denies the Father and the Son is an antichrist. Anyone who denies the Son doesn't have the Father either. But anyone who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So you must remain faithful to what you've been taught from the beginning. If you do, you will remain in fellowship with the Son and with the Father. And in this fellowship, we enjoy the eternal life he promised us. I am writing these things to warn you about those who want to lead you astray. But you have received the Holy Spirit, and he lives within you. So you don't need anyone to teach you what is true. For the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know, and what he teaches is true. It is not a lie. So just as he has taught you, remain in fellowship with Christ." Well, if I were going to start a passage and kind of make it ominous, I think I would start with the words there in verse 18, dear children, the last hour is here. That seems kind of dark, kind of, kind of like something that would make you stand back and say, all right, what's this guy talking about? Well, this is what he means, right? If you know the, the, the timeline of history, the timeline of the Bible, we know that creation happened. We know that the Old Testament happened. We know there was a, a period of time between the two Testaments. And then as we get to the New Testament period, we had the, the life and the ministry of Jesus 
Jesus, his death, his burial and resurrection. And when Jesus left this earth, he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And we know that he'll come back to get his followers. And so from the time he left to the time that he will return to to get his followers, we're in what is called the church period, right? And we see that in the New Testament, all of the letters, the epistles, we see that now and we experience that as the church. And so after uh, this this period, we know that, that Jesus will return, but right now we're in what is called the church period. And so every day we're closer to the return of Jesus. And one of the things that will happen after the return of Jesus that will mark the end times. There's a a character in the book of Revelation called the Antichrist, and he is going to lead people astray. Even though people should be connecting the dots and and seeing God's plan, the Antichrist is going to lead them astray. We're not talking about the Antichrist, but John has laid this foundation, and he said, you heard the Antichrist is coming. Already many such Antichrists have appeared. From this, we know the last hour has come. He's, he's just saying, listen, there are people out there with bad intentions. There are people who are leading believers astray. There are people who are, are hurting the church and, and pulling people off course. And so John has laid the foundation here of kind of what we want to talk about today. There are, there are really three attacks that followers of Jesus are going to face. He's writing this to a church, to a group of believers that he cares about, and he's outlining these three attacks. And the first one is discouragement. Now, discouragement can come in many different ways. In this case, it, it came from people who were part of the church and, and yet maybe didn't have the best intentions or, or walked away. Verse 19 says this, these people left our churches, but they never really belonged with us. Otherwise, they would have stayed with us. When they left, it proved that they did not belong with us. Now, that's, that's kind of a sobering verse to read because if you've been a follower of Jesus for any length of time, you have probably had friends or people you respected walk away from a church or walk away from their faith and maybe things didn't end so well. As I thought about this this week, I was thinking back to my days growing up in my my tiny church in our our student ministry. And I remember being in seventh grade and and looking up to the seniors in my youth group and then finding out when they got to college that maybe, maybe their faith wasn't as strong as I thought. I remember the guy who used to disciple me who was three years older than me going to college and walking away from his faith. I thought of friends that I went to seminary with and Bible college with, people who were preparing to be pastors. And I would have said, we're in this together. And now they would say they're atheists. I have dear friends who would say they don't believe the Bible and aren't walking with God. Jesus kind of outlined it this way in Luke 8. It's it's the parable of the sower where uh, Jesus is just telling a story. Listen, God's word is the seed that is thrown out into people's lives and hearts, but there's different reactions. This is how he describes it in the parable of the sower. There are those who hear the message only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. There are those who hear the message and receive it with joy, but since they don't have deep roots, they believe it for a while and they fall away when they face temptation. There are those who hear the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life, and so they never grow into maturity. And there are those who represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. Like I said, that's a sobering truth. Because we're, we're talking about four kinds of soil and maybe even with the most optimistic approach, you would say like, I think maybe one and a half of those kinds of soil are pretty good or those people are in good spots. This can be discouraging. 
Because we, we're following Jesus and we're walking with Jesus and we're walking with Jesus and we're walking with Jesus and we're on this continuum, this spectrum of, of life and we're trying to walk with him day after day, month after month, year after year. And yet we're told there are gonna be people that don't have good intentions. There are going to be people who walk away. And, I, and so I, I can't help but think that some of us would think like, well, how do I know I'm not one of the people walking away? Or how do I know that I'm not bad soil? What's, what's this about? Verse 20 gives some reassurance. It says this, but you are not like that for the Holy One has given you his spirit and all of you know the truth. So I'm writing to you, not because you don't know the truth, but because you know the difference between truth and lies. Going back to those three attacks that followers of Jesus are going to face, you're going to face discouragement, and you're also going to face lies. There are going to be people that attack the truth of the gospel. There are going to be people that attack scripture, attack the character of God, and you're going to be up against those lies. And we have to stand up and be able to know what is a lie and call out a lie and stand against a lie. And so what's a a lie and who's a liar? Well, verse 22 says it this way. And who is a liar? Anyone who says that Jesus is not the Christ. Anyone who denies the father and the son is an antichrist. Anyone who denies the son does not have the father either. But anyone who acknowledges the son has the father also. John makes it real clear exactly what a lie is and and who a liar is. He's saying, listen, you remember the gospel. You remember that you were lost in sin. You were walking toward death and Jesus came and gave his life for you. God, the father sent his son, Jesus, to give his life for you. And so we understand that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is Lord. And anyone who would say otherwise is a liar, is an antichrist. Now that might seem like a, a little dramatic, but there are groups I think that we would commonly refer to as cults who would say these exact things. They would say, oh yeah, Jesus, uh, yeah, we, we believe in him. We, we read the Bible. We also kind of have a second Bible. And yeah, he was, uh, he's the son of God, but he's not God. They're not the same. There would be groups of people who would say, oh Jesus, yeah, he's, he's a really good teacher or he's a really good prophet. He's someone that we should respect, but he's, he's not God. There would be people who would even say that Jesus is just one of the angels. And so sometimes as we look around and we look at different people that we're like, oh, I think they go to church. I think they have faith. I think they're a spiritual family. You will realize that exactly what John was calling out thousands of years ago still affects us in culture today. There are people who will say that Jesus is not God. There are people who will say that Jesus is not Christ or Jesus is not Lord. John says, listen, if someone says that, they're a liar. In fact, he, he goes on to say that if, if Jesus is, is not the, the Christ, then you're denying the Father and the Son, and you're an antichrist. And if you deny Jesus, you don't have the Father. But if you acknowledge the Son, you have the Father also. And so this passage is, is telling us, listen, you're going to be up against discouragement. You're going to be up against lies. You're going to have to be able to tell what is a lie. And this is a great way to tell a lie. If someone's attacking the character of Jesus... We need to understand and recognize and celebrate the connection and the fellowship and the submission and the intimacy between God the Father and Jesus his Son. Because that was set in motion and offered to us. Three attacks that followers of Jesus will face. You're going to face discouragement, you're going to face lies, and you're going to face fatigue. Verse 24 says it this way. So you must remain faithful to what you have been taught from the beginning. If you do, you will remain in fellowship with the Son and with the Father. And in this fellowship, we enjoy the eternal life he promised us. 
We're encouraged to remain faithful because there are many people who don't remain faithful, who can't remain faithful, who do not remain focused and are not able to walk with Jesus. We're told to to remain faithful. We're told to make sure that we focus on what we were taught from the beginning. And as a follower of Jesus, what were you taught from the beginning? Well, it's very simple. It's the gospel. You were separated from God, but Jesus came and gave his life, surrendered his life, and that you can know him and have life in him. And that may seem too simple. That may seem too foundational. But the longer you're alive, there are going to be moments where you're discouraged and you're hearing lies and you think like, man, I'm not lovable. Jesus thinks you're lovable. And I'm not worth anything. Jesus thought you were worth his life. I don't, even, I don't even know who I am anymore. And Jesus is saying, when you've surrendered your life to me, your identity is in me. And so the gospel is a very simple foundational truth and yet something that changes our lives, something that we have to speak into our lives and into our hearts as we face discouragement, as we face lies, and as we're walking with Jesus for years, as we're on this, this long trip that we call the Christian life. Verse 26 says it this way, I am writing these things to warn you about those who want to lead you astray, but you have received the Holy Spirit and he lives within you. So you don't need anyone to teach you what is true for the spirit teaches you everything you need to know. And he teaches and what he teaches is true. It is not a lie. So just as he taught you remain in fellowship with Christ. John wrote this letter to a group of people that, that he cared about. He felt like he was their pastor and was pastoring them from a long distance. And he said, listen, as you walk with Jesus, there's going to be attacks. And there's going to be moments you're discouraged and moments you're lied to. There's going to be moments that you feel like walking away or you watch dear friends, people you respected walk away. There's going to be people who, who take factions of the church and, and lead others astray. And there's going to be sobering moments where you think like, what's, what's the point of this? Can I even keep going? There's going to be moments where you struggle to put one foot in front of the other and you think like, is this the moment I stop walking with Jesus or, or what happens from here? There's going to be discouragement. There's going to be lies. And there's going to be fatigue. And I think that as we hear this, you're probably like, is Mark trying to be depressing today? No, that's not my goal. But I just want us to have a real conversation that if, if this week or this month or this year you were up against discouragement, that's Okay. Satan attacks what threatens him, and he does not want to see someone walk with Jesus for for their life. He does not want to see someone have impact. He does not want to see someone do ministry in the name of Jesus and have influence. And so he attacks us. He discourages us. He lies to us. And we get to places where we're we're fatigued and we're broken down. Some of you know that I, I like the NBA a little too much. It's like my only hobby left. My kids have taken the rest of them, right? And, and I, uh, I love the, the NBA for, for many reasons, but uh, there's, there's something in the NBA uh, that's called the rookie wall. Most uh, people that come into the NBA are coming out of high school, coming out of college, and even great college teams will play like 30, 35, maybe 40 games a year. And the NBA season is 82 games. And so some of these guys that come in 19, 22, even though they're trying to be prepared and trying to do their best, the season of NBA basketball is going to be at least twice as long as anything they've ever done. And so sometimes the season will start and people will have all this energy. And there's a guy where you're like, man, he's awesome. He's averaging 20 points a game. He could win rookie of the year. And then you get to the month of January and you just watch his stats do this. It's, it's called the, the rookie wall. 
right? Because the conditioning is different. The the dieting is different. The the mental approach is different. And sometimes when you're not prepared, you hit that wall and you, you just fall off. I think some of us are maybe hitting some walls. We won't just pick on rookies, although that's, that's one thing. Some of us are new to walking with Jesus, and maybe for the first time, we're, we're up against discouragement, and we're thinking like, man, I don't know if I can do this. Some of us in the room are, are maybe hitting the, the young parent wall, right? For the first time, you haven't slept in years, and you don't even know what day it is, and you're thinking like, this walking with Jesus thing is not easy, right? Some of us have hit maybe what I would call the, the unemployment wall, or maybe the, the tense relationship wall. There are different things that, that we're up against that we've never dealt with, and it's hard to continue walking with Jesus day in and day out to find hope and to find purpose. Some of us have, have hit walls. And so what do you do when you, when you hit a wall? How do you even know if you've hit a wall? How do you, how do you define that? Well, I, wanna, I wanna show us a, a commercial here. And this is, this is not the most spiritual thing that's gonna happen today, all right? I want you to, want you to know that. But this is, a, this is an ad campaign. I've shown one of these before, but I want you to check this one out. This is a, an example of someone hitting a wall. Mike, what is your deal, oh, man? Oh, come on, man. You've been riding me all day. Mike, you're playing like Betty White out there. That's not what your girlfriend said. Oh, baby. Oh, 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 Snickers. Better? Better. Mike! I'm up there! That hurt. You're not you when you're hungry. Snickers satisfied. You're not you when you're hungry, right? You're not you when you're angry. You're not you when you're lonely. You're not you when you're tired. Someone taught me that acronym years ago, and and those are some things that you can watch out for in your own personality. When you're hungry, when you're angry, when you're lonely, when you're tired, you can probably know that something's going on in your life or in your heart or in your circumstances that maybe you can't even put a finger on, but you'll notice that your mood and your your attitude and your your function are, are changing. And so how do you know when you're hitting a wall? How do you know when you're up against discouragement? How do you know when maybe there's some lies or fatigue? Well, when you're not you. And who is you? Well, you is your identity in Christ. You is you living the love of Christ. You is you operating in your spiritual gifting. And if those things are changing or morphing, you're finding they're slowing down or becoming more difficult, sometimes you just may need to say, I'm hungry, I'm angry, I'm lonely, I'm tired. And then what? In the same way that this passage gave us three things that we need to look out for, three attacks, it also gives us three ways to overcome those attacks. And so here's the first one. In verse 20, you'll see it very clearly. Trust the Holy Spirit. For the Holy One has given you his spirit, and all of you know the truth. We did a series in January on walking with the Holy Spirit. I think it's something that conservative evangelical America sometimes overlooks or forgets. And so I want to just remind you some truth of the Holy Spirit because that is God's gift to us. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is eternal and holy. Followers of Jesus, that's us, are baptized with the Holy Spirit. Followers of Jesus are indwelled with the Holy Spirit. Followers of Jesus are filled with the Holy Spirit. And followers of Jesus are sealed with the Holy Spirit. So that's what we can know. But how can we experience the Holy Spirit in our lives? Well, the Holy Spirit has emotions. The Holy Spirit has his own will. The Holy Spirit helps us speak in difficult situations. The Holy Spirit teaches us. The Holy Spirit gives us power to be God's witnesses. And the Holy Spirit gives us power to put sin to death. 
The Holy Spirit gives us power to abound in hope. And when we're led by the Holy Spirit, we'll see this fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The Holy Spirit gives us spiritual gifts. And so when you trusted Jesus to save you, God sealed you with the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit speaks and illuminates truth to you in your mind and in your heart and in your relationships. And you have the very existence of God inside of you and you can trust him and you can listen to him and you can move and walk with him. You can let him guide you in truth and you can let him tell you that's a lie. We don't want to listen to that. That's what it means to trust the Holy Spirit. That's the first way we can overcome attacks. The second way is to remain faithful to truth. What does it look like to remain faithful to truth? We kind of already talked about this. We have to remain faithful to what we were taught from the beginning. And verse 24 said, listen, the gospel is your foundation. So the gospel is not just a starting point and something you abandon. It is your foundation forever. The fact that God loved you so much that while you were still a sinner, he sent his one and only son, Jesus, for you should change the way you look at other people because you should show that same grace and mercy to them. We should have that same compassion for others and we should point them to Jesus. We don't point them to us. We don't point them to other things. We point them to the gospel because the gospel is a saving truth of Jesus and we have to stand on that. And we can also stand on the fact that we're able to see the relationship of the Father and the Son. We see intimacy. We see that in the Trinity of the Godhead. And we understand what that relationship looks like. And we can experience and know that intimacy and that fellowship and that relationship. Trust the Holy Spirit. Remain faithful to truth. Verse 25 tells us to remain in fellowship. Not just verse 25, verse 24, 25, 27. They're all saying, remain in fellowship with Jesus. In fact, here's a phrase I've always loved. Proximity leads to intimacy. Proximity leads to intimacy. And so it's our job to stay in close proximity to Jesus. We do that by reading his word. We do that by spending times in prayer. We do that by spending times with his body, the church, the body of Christ. When we're in close proximity to Jesus, it pushes us to intimacy with Jesus. We see Jesus. We know Jesus. We trust Jesus. And so we're going to be attacked. We're going to be discouraged. We're going to experience fatigue. And John says, hey, that's, that's okay. Trust the Holy Spirit. Remain faithful to truth. Remain in fellowship. And John always circles back. We've done this the last couple of weeks. He'll say something in chapter two, and then he says it again in three and four. And we're like, okay, John, all right, we get it. Here's what he says in chapter four, verses 13 to 16. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. John is reinforcing these same three points because he's circling back and saying again in verse 13, trust the Holy Spirit. Verse 14, remain faithful to truth. Verse 15, remain in fellowship. He's saying, listen, you don't, don't be discouraged. Just trust the Holy Spirit and remain in fellowship. These things are going to happen, but you can overcome them as you walk in your relationship with Jesus and keep walking and keep walking 
face some discouragement and keep walking. Face a, a couple of lies or an attack and keep walking. Come up against a season of fatigue and, and yet you keep walking and keep trusting and keep walking. Some of you, uh, you know, I've, I've talked about on, on a Sunday morning, my, my 10-year-old Mercy uh, has gotten into swimming. And when I say that swimming does not exist where I'm from, uh, it's hard to put in perspective, but I, I grew up swimming in a pond where at our swimming lessons, we were taught to catch turtles in the pond, all right? So uh, suburban swimming life with swim caps and $300 suits that make you faster, I'm not buying that, all right? It's, it's, very, it's very out of my league. Uh, but Mercy started swimming, and I think I've shared this before. She started swimming last year, and, and one of the coaches, Coach Ann, said, hey, I see potential in her. I want to start giving her private lessons. And I was like, all right, okay. So she can't drive, so guess who's stuck at private swim lessons? This guy right here, right? And I was, I was in there one day, and I was watching a lesson, and I know how to swim. Uh, but what I realized in that lesson, my swimming is pretty subpar, right? I don't, I don't go underwater. I just kind of like kick and do this and get from point A to point B. And when I get there, I'm like, I'm awesome. Look at me. I can swim. I still say that. My wife doesn't like it. And I say I'm awesome. She's anyway, uh, I, I watched this swim lesson and, and this coach was like, all right, Mercy, here's some things I want you to focus on. She was telling her to like, keep her head down and only bring it up every, every couple strokes for, for breath. And she was telling her to point her elbow and bring her hand into the water at a certain angle and bring her hand along her hips so that she could pull as much water and traction and have speed as possible. And as I watched that, I thought, I'm a terrible swimmer. Like not just a bad swimmer, I'm, a, I'm an atrocious swimmer, right? Because sometimes when I'm, when I'm swimming, I realize there are things that I'm doing that are almost pulling me backwards or, or making me not be able to keep up. I learned this. I have a, a friend that has like a, an indoor training pool. It's, it's like eight feet wide and 12 feet long. And you turn on this jet and it has a current. And you basically, it's like a, it's like a treadmill pool, right? You just swim in one spot. And uh, I went over there to use that pool of his. And uh, my swimming style, he described it as my body is a sail and I catch too much water. And so he would turn on the jets and it would just pull my body back and eventually my feet would hit the wall, right? And, and so I, I, was, I was kind of up against this current and I'm, I'm doing my best and I'm swimming and I'm trying to do my thing, but it's, it's just not enough. There's a, there's a movie, uh, maybe you've heard of it, it's called Finding Nemo. It's a pretty big movie. Maybe, maybe you like it, right? We got, we got Nemo there, the orange guy. We like the orange guys, right? And uh, we've got, we got Dory there. Nemo gets separated from his family, and, and he's, he's searching for them, and they're swimming all over. And there's one point that uh, Dory, there's a, there's a famous scene in the movie where, where Dory says, hey, Mr. Grumpy, what are, you, what are you up to? And Nemo's just like, I can't find my dad. I'm struggling. And, and, and Dory says, when life gets you down, just keep swimming. Well, Dory and Nemo aren't here today, so I don't want to go against them too much, but I want you to know that sometimes just keep swimming is a good philosophy, but it's not what we're told in this passage, because there are ways that we amuse ourselves, and there are ways that we medicate with the things that are going on, and we think we're swimming, and we're not really going anywhere, and the current is sweeping us backwards. And so I think it's, it's wise for us today to, to look at this and say, if we're going to face attacks if we're going to face discouragement, if we're going to face lies and, and fatigue and all of these things, we have to swim in the most efficient way possible. 
And we have to swim in the wisest way possible. And we have to know that we're addressing the things that life is, is sending toward us and that Satan is attacking us with. Because we don't want to walk with Jesus for a day or an hour. We want to walk for 10 years. We want to walk and build the church for 50 and 60 years. We want to raise our family and raise our children and have spiritual impact for generations and decades. And so we can't just keep swimming because sometimes just keep swimming in our, in our eyes is things like, well, I'm super down today, so I'm going to binge watch a season of whatever show my coworkers told me to watch. Or I'm going I'm to go to that bar that I like because at least I can kind of forget things when I'm there. I need, to, I need to get a weekend in Destin scheduled here because I just need to get out of town. And I'm not making fun of Netflix or, or vacation or hanging out with friends. But sometimes we medicate and we don't actually address the attacks and the fatigue that we're up against. John is saying, listen, when you're up against an attack, trust the Holy Spirit. You've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. You've been given the Holy Spirit. He's speaking to you. He's illuminating things to you. And so trust the things that he's putting in your mind and in your heart. And when you get attacked, when you feel fatigue, you feel frustration, remain faithful to truth. Stand on the truth of the gospel, not just the advice of friends or whatever people want to tell you. Stand on the truth of the gospel and remain in fellowship. That means spending time with Jesus, listening to Jesus, and being around the body of Christ and letting them sharpen you even when you don't like it. Just keep swimming, but don't, don't swim like me. Swim the way that John outlines us here so that you can walk with Jesus, so that you can live the Christian life, so you can see milestones happen and you can overcome attacks and overcome adversity and walk with Jesus. Let me pray as we close. God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Thank you for calling us to live the Christian life. God, we want to live this life well to honor you. We want to see impact. We want to see people come to know you. We want to build the kingdom of God. And so to do that, we have to be able to overcome attacks and fatigue and frustration. God, we want to do that with wisdom. And so, Lord, I pray that you will just help us. Help us to know when we're hungry and angry and lonely and tired and when, when our countenance is changing and our spirit is changing. Lord, help us to trust the Holy Spirit. You did not give us the Holy Spirit on accident. You did not give us the Holy Spirit just, just for fun. You gave us the very existence of yourself with purpose. And so help us to listen and be obedient and move with the Holy Spirit. Help us to remain faithful to the gospel and faithful what, what we've known from the beginning. Help us to remain in fellowship with you and in close proximity with you. And God, whatever our application is today, however we need to make that happen. Lord, if that's as simple as praying a prayer of surrender and saying, Holy Spirit, I've been walking out of step with you. I'm listening and I'm moving. Help us to do that as we worship now, God. If that's just reminding ourselves of the gospel and what it means for us right now or the truth of your word. Maybe it's just rejecting lies that we've been listening to. Lord, help us to do that right now as we worship. And Lord, if you're just drawing us into deeper fellowship, if that's putting prayer in our schedule, praying out loud as we drive to work, if that's reading you version or doing a reading plan with some people in our movement group or Bible study we're in, Lord, help us to lean into you. Help us to fight attacks fight fatigue, fight lies, and fight discouragement, not, not just so we can feel cool and overcome, but so that we can know you and make you known around the world. Lord, be with us now as we worship. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.
Thanks for listening to the Movement Church Podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. We hope wherever you are, this message encourages you to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus. For more information about Movement Church, including attending a worship experience, getting connected, or to give online, please visit movementcolumbus.com.